It's time for episode 438 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that'll be all wrapped up before you finish today's Wordle. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy. It's Dan, the man, Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, Micah. I'm just trying to think of five letter words, and it's <laughs> it's harder than you'd think. Great is one of those. So that, yeah, you might try that. Ooh, good call. Good call. <laughs> All right, folks, you know how this show works. And uh, I am excited to say that uh, joining me to my left is a uh, wonderful writer at Gizmodo, a mechanical keyboard magician, and the co-host of the Material Podcast right here on Relay FM. It's Florence Ion. Welcome back to the show, Flo. Thank you for having me. Also, Micah is a five-letter word. Oh, that's true. What? <laughs> is that on the list? <laughs> Why did I not try guessing that? Huh. <laughs> and to my left this week, it is YouTube tech megastar and fa- co-founder of Nebula, Renee Ritchie. Welcome back, Renee. Thank you so much, Dan. Is, if Jedim is the singular of Jedi, then that's a five-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. All right. I, guys, I got to so go. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into the show with uh, the four folks here and the uh, 30 minutes we have. My question for you. Um, I, I saw this story about some folks who have uh, what amounts to bionic eyes. And unfortunately, uh, the tech is going obsolete. And uh, one of the things that I, I thought about was the technology in our lives that obviously, in many cases, is not as important as something as being able to use the tech to see. But what is a piece of tech you have that's gone obsolete, it's gone defunct, the company has shut down? And does the concern of obsolescence influence your purchasing decisions when you think about uh, making them, particularly given that many of us are uh, early adopters? Flo, we'll start with you. I had a really tough time with this one because when I try to think about something specific, I think about how that feature just got rolled up into another device. So uh, the most obvious one of that is like the smartphone, right? I... Um, of the millennial generation, you know, all these things were separate little devices that no longer exist. Like, remember the original PDA? Little address book. I love the novelty of that thing. Completely obsolete in this day and age. And yet, I can't help but apparently have gone back and like started collecting them because the, the tangibility of it all was just so awesome. Um, it's, I guess I'm moving with the times. I am thinking about some uh, ecosystems, though, that have shut down. For instance, uh, I have Oculus controllers here in the house that no longer use. And I'm not talking about that Quest 2. I'm talking about like the original Oculus Rift. No longer use those things. Uh, Some fitness bands around here. Remember HTC for a quick second made fitness bands? Yeah, it kind of needs to play into a person's uh, buying decision when they're thinking about tech because, you know, what is the longevity of this? <laughs> As we have seen in the history, some things just don't last forever. 
as somebody who is an early adopter and is always kind of on the lookout for like new improved technology, I tend to be much more of the uh, break up with technology before it breaks up with me kind of mm. <laughs> like person. So uh, I would, I, you know, was like casting around my office for like old pieces of tech and I found like my Pebble smartwatch. There's a blast from the past, uh, a device that definitely no longer works. And I believe the company went out of business. Um, so yeah, stuff like that. But I mean, I got superseded by an Apple watch, right? So like, as Flo was saying, a lot of these technologies end up going defunct because they get the even if the technology itself doesn't get wrapped up into a existing product a lot of times the things you're doing with it become you know not much of an issue anymore i think uh, particularly of something like i have a logitech harmony hub you know the ir blaster that connects to your wi-fi and then lets you send commands for like your home theater stuff and with the advent of more and more devices supporting things like hdmi cec it's just not something that I need anymore. I like I've simplified my setup. So even though the exact technology has not been replaced, like the function of what that technology did has been moved on to something else. So yeah, I, again, I think I tend to sort of ditch things before I get to that, to that point. Renee, what about you? Yeah. See, I was going to have this nice answer where I, you know, they somehow tricked me into buying every version of star Wars from Laserdisc to VHS to DVD <laughs> to HD DVD to Blu-ray to iTunes to like every single proper like provider imaginable and how that happens and how tape backup companies used to have to buy a new tape backup machine because they were never compatible with the tapes from the previous year's machine and just how that whole grift has been going on for years. I like I had an Amiga 2000 and 4000 uh, and I I wrote an entire role playing game written illustrated everything like 400 pages and it's on Amiga high density floppy disk which nothing else can <laughs> Good read luck. and I, yeah I'm going to have to get like Lamont from Coco Labs to read it off for me or something but then Micah said like eyeballs and I started thinking like this stuff is annoying <laughs> if it was part of my body, like if my if my Elon Gates chip is no longer getting security patches after 3 years and I'm just like it's open internet on on whatever is in my brainstem that's a real problem. Mm -hmm. So now Micah is giving me like the nightmare fueled hellscape of the, the future to look forward to. Thank you, Micah. You're very welcome. There was this really brilliantly designed um, backup camera for the for your car if you had a car that doesn't have a built-in backup camera and you basically it would work with an app where the app made a local wi-fi connection with the backup camera and then you'd use your phone to be able to uh, see the view of the backup camera and it had stuff built in where it could kind of notify you if you're getting close to something I, that's, that went obsolete a long time ago. The servers that were tied to it shut down, all that kind of stuff. And so it just sits in my garage until one day I finally decide to just get rid of it because I can't use it anymore. All right. Thank you for your answers on that. Let's go to our next topic, which comes from Flo. So I've been in Samsung HE double ho hockey sticks <laughs> for the last <laughs> week or so. Um, I am looking at the new devices they announced. They announced the new Ultra Galaxy S22 Ultra, which is supposed to be like the return of the note plus two other phones. So here's the thing. This phone has a lot of cameras on it. And I, you know, I do have a phone. My daily driver right now is a OnePlus 9. We can talk about that later. And um, it does have, you know, more than, let's see, two, it has two, three cameras on it or something like that. I don't know. I've been trying to wonder, and I wanted to ask you all and see, like, do you really use those extra lenses that you got in the back? Because this Ultra has not one, not two, not three, but four different cameras on the back including two telephoto lenses with two different ranges of optical zoom. 
<laughs> so before I get to my answer, I want to hear what everybody here has to say about the lenses on their phones. I, you're, you're putting me in mind of that classic, one of my favorite Onion articles of all times, which I'll paraphrase here. Screw it. We're going to five lenses. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got an iPhone... <laughs> I just had a moment of like, I don't even know what number it is anymore. Uh, whatever the most recent iPhone number is, Pro, with three lenses, uh, I actually do find I use them, but it, it, only in certain situations, right? Like, I, I do like having the option of a telephoto lens uh, because I do think that there are cases where there's just really no substitute for an optical zoom. Uh, and I have to say that the ultra wide, not only in terms of just providing a lens uh, that gives you a wider field of view, but also can to you know work with the 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 other lenses and provide some like information for things like uh, you know night mode and stuff like that. I think there is a lot of value to that. It does start to get a little comical, and I know I've also seen all the people who hate the look of it with all the the eyes on the back. It really creeps them out, and I totally totally respect that. Um, but it is nice to have the utility and when i'm especially when i'm traveling and i'm taking pictures of like you know oh, it's like oh, i've got this great vista in front of me i'd love to take a picture to really capture it all i find that the ultra wide is really great for that um but yeah they most of the time i do end up just using the standard lens because it's you know it's the standard for a reason it, it, it shoots pretty much everything well even if not great in every scenario but i do fear for a five lens future <laughs> renee what do you think yeah, you know, the way I look at it, and I say this with full embarrassing knowledge that I have like three camera bodies and a whole bunch of different like actual lenses lying around on the table in front of me right now. But I kind of look at smartphones uh, and I, I like Nokia has got them with these huge like spider eyes in the back, like nine different lenses or like just Mandelbrot patterns, all these weird, crazy things. And I kind of love it because I, I think we have to shift the way we think about it. Like, yes, there's like three or four or five lenses on the back and some of them are black and white and some of them are LIDAR and some of them are two macro zooms on way too many cameras. But I think like, I just forget about them. Like to me, they're become an implementation detail and I'm just looking at the phone's interface and I want to get closer and I want to get further away and I don't want to sneak or zoom, especially if I'm on the edge of a cliff or at the front of a lake. You know, I just want to be able to press a button and the camera to give me exactly the photo I want. And because they're so small, they have such small Z index, they can't use a whole bunch of different like they can't actually use like real zoom lenses and a whole bunch of different things to do it. So they kind of simulate it with all these different aspect ratios, sorry, all these different aperture ranges and these different um, lengths. And, and so I, I press a button, it goes out, press the button, it goes in. I'm, I'm low key salty that I can't go further in because Apple still hasn't heard of a periscope lens, but that'll be solved with time. And then I just don't want to have to worry about it at all. Let them figure out how to take all those lenses and just bracket them and, stack them and do all that, you know, computational photography stuff and give me a good picture. Give me a good picture that I can zoom into and out of and I'm happy. Yes, I like I like that uh that idea of just letting the the front of the camera um be the the way that I see it and that the the lenses on the back don't matter that it all it is all treated as one unit most of the time. It seems like I'm just using the uh the 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 most standard lens on the back, but the idea that each of the lenses is providing some information, that it is looking for the best photo possible, that sometimes you get a photo where you get a little bit more um, around the edges, that kind of thing. 
um, is nice. So I think, Renee, your sort of mindset is a little freeing. And I definitely am going to try to uh, bring more of that into my thinking about these lenses or these these smartphones with so many lenses. Uh, Flo, why don't you round us out? Well, I appreciate everyone offering their opinion. That's that is what we're here for today anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, one thing I figured out to have all these lenses for is uh, plane tracking. You know, I live near an Air Force base. A lot of people like to practice flying their planes around my house. Sometimes I want to see what's going on. And I found out that actually having all that optical zoom uh, is very good at tracking <laughs> some poor little junior flight school person just figuring out how to land a plane around my house. Oh, boy. That's terrifying. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you can you can at least keep an eye on things. Oh, man. All right, folks. With that, we have reached halftime. So we're going to take a quick little break before we come back with more. I want to tell you about electric. When you think of the phrase boss move, you might think of making a bold business decision or maybe giving a great presentation in front of a big crowd. The reality is sometimes being a boss in a small business means having to sort out the orange juice you spilled on your own keyboard or helping a staff member with setting up their new laptop. The team over at Electric, they know small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges, and that's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. You know, I think about uh, folks who've started small businesses and who part of like what what they are, who they are is to take on so many different roles, is to wear so many different hats, is to try and be the every person. But at some point, you have to make the choice to switch into the role of leadership and switch away from being the IT department. And that is the time when you look to Electric. For Clockwise listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. All you do is go to electric.ai slash clockwise to set it up. That's electric.ai slash clockwise to get your free pair of of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. And of course, our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. Alrighty, we are back from the break, and it is time for Dan's topic. So, Google would like you to turn your obsolete Mac or PC into a Chromebook using their new Chrome OS Flex. Is this a good strategy for Google? Is it something you have any interest in, whether it's for yourself or when you're passing a laptop down to somebody else? Renee, I want to know your thoughts here. Yeah, you know, I, I really like it. Um, I think when we look at just the community in general, we get caught up in this bubble of tech Twitter and tech YouTube where everybody wants everything to be like the maximum nerd potential it can possibly be. It's like, you know, Steve Jobs gives us an iPad and we're like, why can't I run Mac OS on it? Google gives us Chrome and like, where's Photoshop? And it's just like for the vast majority of people, something like iOS, something like Chrome is just a way, way better solution. It's basically a managed platform. It's why people buy consoles and not everyone has a gaming PC because sometimes you don't want to work for your thing. You want that thing to work for you. And there are, we all, we already have, like we nerds already have like the Unixes and the Linuxes and the Mac OSs and the Windows and all these things and Android. And there's very few things that are actually left for normal people, despite our desire to take those away too. <laughs> and Chrome happens to be one of them. And if people can just like, if you have an extra hardware lying around, you're not going to be able to license iPadOS. So that's not Apple's game, but like Google's just 
they're there for that. And if you can slap Chrome OS on that, give that to a relative, you know, a niece, a nephew, maybe grandparents, they don't have to maintain it. You do not have to become 24 seven tech support for them. And they can just uh, like do everything that they really need to do. Yeah, no judgment that they're not on the terminal all day. I think that's wonderful. I agree. I started doing um, on Saturdays a radio show with Leo uh, Laporte called The Tech Guy. And um, basically people from all over the US and sometimes uh, outside of the US call in with their tech questions. And a lot of folks these days, these are, you know, these are not people within our tech bubble. These are average folks um, using average technology. Um, and with that, uh, you hear about a lot of Chromebook use. And so I really want this for the sake of being able to use Chrome OS and uh, kind of understand it a little bit better. Uh, Flo, what are your thoughts? I think this is way easier than converting an old Windows machine to a so-called Chrome OS machine. It's easier to just have something that you can just drop in, install, and let it do the deed. I definitely agree that this is going to be a great way to revive an old laptop, give it a second, third, fourth life with a kid, um, you know, or maybe an elderly parent who just wants to like check in here and there. I will say with the slow but uh, progressive movement of right to repair, I like these sort of things that are happening around us, just like in the general zeitgeist of consumer tech, because it gives us the power back to make the decisions on how to revive these things. And I think any any technology that is empowering us to do our own thing and take it into our own hands is, I you know, I can always laud that because I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by it, especially because they claim that I think it goes back, you know, like... They said they could run, run a devices that are up to 13 years old, which is a lot, right? Like there are a lot of laptops of that era that you probably wouldn't be using running Windows uh, or running Mac OS that you might consider like, well, a lightweight operating system like Chrome OS might enable you to get a second life out of this thing. I've got an old 11-inch MacBook Air lying around somewhere that I'm kind of intrigued to potentially dig out and try with this. Um I I I'm with you all of you. I think I think the choices of having the ability to to deploy this kind of thing uh, as opposed to just being stuck with a brick that has to get recycled or that you sort of keep around because you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll use it someday for something." Like being able to actually press this stuff into service, I think is incredibly valuable. And I also, you know, think potentially opens up longevity for institutions, like especially educational institutions that may have limited budgets and may not be able to replace hardware on a regular enough basis, but might still be able to get a little more life out of older machines. So uh, I think it's really intriguing. Like Micah, I think it, it would definitely be kind of a double take situation. <laughs> what? What? Is that, but that's a MacBook that's running Chrome OS. I'm so confused. But I think that overall, it's a probably a good move for, for Google to open up their platform to more devices. Um, and I don't think it really hurts Apple because I think most people who are who are doing this are not doing it to replace probably their own uh, you know, device that they're using all the time, but maybe a sort of just a, uh, like I said, something to uh, give a little more lease on life to one of your older pieces of hardware. So thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Renee. All right. Awesome. So a couple of years ago, Apple started rolling out app tracking transparency, which just me meant that if you were going to track somebody on a third party website or out of your own app, you had to inform them and get their consent to do it. And that's caused 
reasonable amount of unreasonable amount of stress for companies like Facebook, a lot of ad brokers, a lot of data brokers in general. And now, according to the Wall Street Journal, Google is investigating doing the same thing with Android, and that is putting some form of app tracking transparency or third party control, sorry, third party site control for users. And I, I'm I'm wondering, how do you think? Do you think that this will further hurt Facebook? Uh, what will it mean for Google if one of their largest, you know, their largest properties is doing this as well? The Amazons of the world and all those data brokers. I just don't believe that these companies don't have far more nefarious, far more subtle, far more uh, insidious means of being able to track us. Where life finds a way, I think also ad tracking finds a way, and it's already found a way. It's just that we are more privy to the more obvious forms. So I think that there's an argument that says, oh, don't do this, because if you do, then it's going to push them into more uh, creepy means of being able to track people. But I think those are already happening. And so ultimately, I like that these things are taking place, but I also kind of have moments where I go, oh man, I wonder what they are doing instead of this, because I bet there is something that they're doing uh, to keep track. Flo, what are your thoughts? You know, I have been looking at what Google's been trying, how Google's been trying to change the way it tracks its users. I'm thinking specifically of um, Flock in my head right now, I believe is the acronym. Yeah, Flock and Topics. Thank you. (laughs) My brain is a little one-track-minded right now, but... I know that this is something that they've been pursuing because they're trying to get out of hot water with the whole antitrust, uh, you know, anti-competitiveness situation that's been going on. I also think it's time for Facebook and other companies to figure out a new way of making money. We can't just be relying on the same old cycle that we've been doing. Um, Web two is over. Web three is the new, uh, <laughs> the new oh, no. way that we're going. So, and I, I'm, I'm using that kind of sarcastically, but also being serious that we are in a major phase of transition right now. I can see us like moving towards something new. Um, users are becoming more aware of like that we are being tracked and this is how our data is being used, which is going to make tech companies like more aware of or rather want to make more of these features to make us seem as if, you know, the things that we have are in our control. So, um, I still think we need to take, as consumers, take a little wait and see approach right now because they're just like working this out. But I also, I, I really hope that we can just get some regulation out of all of this mess that is being made right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is feels like a cat and mouse game, right? Where it's like, well, we're going to lock this down. And then all the companies that depend on that kind of advertising and information uh, scramble to find a different way to get the information that they want. And there's so much money behind all of this that it always is going to be uh, a really aggressive game. I mean, it's it's a lot like patching security vulnerabilities in a sense where... It's tough, right? If you're the defender, you have a lot of work to do because you got to antis- you got to anticipate every possible vulnerability that people might exploit. And in the same way, if you're trying to lock things down from people's private information being used, 
you got to find a way to secure every possible vector. And some of those vectors are not in your control, right? Because they're like three or four things down the, the chain. It does seem like uh, ATT has had an effect on Facebook or at least, or sorry, meta. <laughs> I'm still getting used to that. Um, at least according to them, whether or not you believe them is a whole different story. But I, I do think that it certainly has made the low-hanging fruit a lot harder. And I think there's a reason behind this whole pivot to meta as their new strategy is that they realize this is they're not going to be able to keep playing this game forever. It's going to get harder and harder. And so trying to find something else to monetize makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think Android ado- adopting something like this is a good move for consumers in general. It's not going to make everything perfect. It's not going to keep stuff locked down. As Micah said, you got to be always a bit sus about these things. But at the same time, every movement in that direction, I think, is uh, is a positive. Renee, why don't you wrap us up? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. I think we're on the verge of a transition the way that Flo mentioned, but I think it's almost like a smoke and mirrors bait and switch transition where a lot of the big tech companies are under assault from regulators and from young upstarts. And some of those young upstarts see it as their opportunity to move from a billion dollar business to a trillion dollar business all of their own. And Facebook, I'm going to try to avoid the M word like Tim Cook on a conference call. Facebook um, has just They've, they've screwed it every single time. They've messed it up. They poached like this. They poached Eric Tsang from Android. They poached Mike Mattis from Apple. They tried to make their own phone like three times and changed their minds. They just never could own a platform. And app tracking transparency doesn't bother Apple because they have perfect knowledge on iOS. And app tracking transparency really doesn't bother Google because they have perfect knowledge on Android and YouTube and Gmail and all these things. So third party value is minimal to them and they own Chrome, the browser, like they, they know what we're doing anyway. But for a company like Facebook, they are where Google was when they were afraid that, uh, Microsoft would own browsing on mobile and that motivated them to get Android to begin with. And I think that's the same motivation we see now with Facebook trying to turn, trying so desperately and thirstily to turn Oculus into a platform because they want to have, like they want to stop us from closing their app in a tab and flicking it off on our thing. They want to be around our head 24-7. And I I don't know that this is going to stop them because we are having this platform transition. And I don't think it's going to at all be uh, democratized the way that a lot of proponents think. It tends to be like every new version of the web is for everybody. It's like GeoCities everywhere, then eventually it consolidates. Like if the AOL just becomes Facebook, just becomes something else, and there'll be a whole bunch of new consolidations. Uh, and they just, they want to be one of them. So I think they're, I think it's not going to stop them at all. I think it's just going to enhance their platform plays until they have enough ownership stake. They don't have to be dependent on Apple or Google at all. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break before we come back with the bonus topic. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Trade. How do you take your coffee? Do you like a full-bodied roast, something light? I mean, we all have our preferences, and no matter what you love to drink, Trade Coffee makes it easy to brew your best cup at home. Trade sells the freshest, roasted, and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters, and they ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd like me or you just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test more than 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and your favorite brewing method. You can take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. Trade has been featured by the New York Times, by Wired, by GQ, and has delivered more than 5 million bags of coffee. Their subscription 
version. It's no hassle. You can skip shipments, shipments when you want to, change your frequency. You can cancel at any time. Uh, I went on and took the coffee quiz, which was a lot of fun. Um, it asks you some questions to kind of get an idea of your taste preferences. And I knew going into it kind of what kind of coffee I was going to, um, to, to get to to taste. And I usually like a medium roast or a dark roast, uh, but I'm open to all sorts of different kinds of coffee. And uh, they recently sent me a bag uh, from the Midwest. I think it was from Ohio was where it was uh, roasted. And it had mm, these delicious uh, sort of light fruity flavors that then kind of gave way to molasses Um I I have a big coffee taster nerd too, so you better believe I get out the spoons for for slurping the coffee to get the flavors and uh, be able to taste all of those. For our listeners out there right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of twenty bucks off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com/clockwise. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com/clockwise and start your journey to your perfect cup. I got to tell you, there's nothing like truly freshly roasted coffee versus that stuff you get at the grocery store. Ah, fresh roasted coffee. So good. That's drinktrade.com slash clockwise. And of course, our thanks to trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, my question for you, if you could choose one hobby that now seems out of reach, be it financially or time wise, what hobby would you take up? Flo? Tennis. I want to become Serena Williams. (laughs) I want uh, just powerful muscles. I want it all. Uh, I was going to pick playing PlayStation 5 games because that is definitely out of reach since I can't find one. But uh, I was also going to pick race car driving. Man, I would really love to be a race car driver. That sounds fun. Renee? I would do archery because I've watched so much Arrow and so much Hawkeye (laughs) that I feel lazy at this point not doing it. Nice. Uh, for me, it would be sorry, Flo. I want to fly. I want. I would love to be able to fly, but I would do it very safely, and I would not run into your house. I promise. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you all for your answer on that topic. It is the official end of the show, which means it is time to uh, say goodbye to our awesome guests, Flo Ion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. And Renee Ritchie, thank you so much for joining us. No, no, no. Thank you, Dan. And Michael will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.